You're listening to the Faith Unpacked Podcast. Welcome back to the Faith Unpacked Podcast with Jason and Jamie. This is episode 244. And today, uh, Jason is still out, and I'm continuing on a conversation that I started last week, which uh, unfortunately um, ended kind of abruptly because somehow I ended up stopping the recording before I was actually ready or done and didn't realize it. And so I talked for a minute or two in conclusion that was not actually recorded. So if you go back and listen to episode 243, you notice that it ends very abruptly. Um, that was not per design. That was just my own incompetence at the switch, <laughs> so to speak. But I do want to continue on with the conversation. We, we started talking about how we use our words for the glory of God and looked at, you know, a couple different verses and texts that really encourage us that we are to be um, an example and how we are to use our words in a way that brings glory to God. And so if you didn't get a chance to talk about that um, or didn't get a chance to go listen to that episode, go back and definitely listen to it because there was even some practical advice in there in terms of even sometimes when we're upset with a brother or sister in Christ or someone else, you know, how do we handle that? How do we respond to that in a, in a God-glorifying way? Because we recognize that our words are really important, that we are called to speak the truth, that we are called not to lie, that we are called not to be angry or jealous or slanderers or use our words in ways that tear down and instead only use them for what builds up and what encourages for the purpose of God getting all the glory. And so we looked at Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, verse 29, where we are encouraged, uh, let no unwholesome words proceed from our mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the needs of the moment, so that it will be given grace. It will be a given grace to those who hear it. This is God's good design with our words. And, you know, I kicked off looking at Psalms chapter 19, verse 14, where David writes, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This, this desire of Paul to use his words, use his speech, use the meditations of his heart for the glory of God, right? Wanting, desiring deeply to bring God glory in the things that he says. And I want to continue that conversation in this episode and, and really look at, I think, two specific areas that I think are probably most common in this battle for a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ as it relates to how we use our words. And the two specific areas are the tendency to get drawn into sexual conversation that is not good or godly, that so absolutely permeates our culture today. And I don't know if this is true equally for men and women, but I know for, for guys especially, 
Um, we, you know, we have obviously a God-given desire for sexual interaction, which in God's good design is for, for the purpose of marriage uh, between a husband and a wife. And, and in that sense, it's a very good thing and, and per God's design. And I think part of that, you know, desire and curiosity and all of that, um, I, I think that's natural that God intended as as partly a means by which a husband is motivated to pursue his wife, right? To love her, to serve her, to care for her so that uh, they can have that, you know, interplay. But our, our culture very much likes to take it out of God's good design and take it out of any context that, that is good and brings God glory and instead um, use it to just satisfy the, the flesh and joke around in these contexts. And, you know, you find this kind of thing. Again, I don't, I don't know if this is true equally for men and women. I've obviously not been a woman and I don't think like a woman. And I've really actually never even talked to a woman about it. Um, I don't know that that would be a really appropriate thing to do. But I know, especially for, for men, this comes up a lot, especially in workplaces, you know, that are predominantly unbelievers and are predominantly, you know, male-oriented uh, situations. It's so easy to get off into sexual conversation, joking around or talking about sexual exploits or, you know, these kinds of things. And even as a believer you still have that draw. You want to join in this conversation. You want to be involved in it. And and I do kind of, I would guess that this is probably a little more universal, that it's not just men. It may be more dominant for men, but I'm guessing there's some degree to which this is true for women as well. Because, uh, for example, if you look at comedians and comedy in our culture today, so much of it is just explicitly sexual. So much of it, it's it's not even honestly talent. Like so often you hear these comedians and you just think these guys aren't even, they don't even have real talent. Like literally anybody can make a joke about sexual things and get people to laugh. That doesn't require any talent. That doesn't require, you know, any comedic ability or comedic genius or, or any of these kinds of things. And um, you notice it's not even a male comedian versus female comedian thing because female comedians are very often massively, almost even more so than men typically are even more sexual in their joking and their comedy and, and all these kinds of things. And so I kind of wager that this is more just a human, a human thing uh, than just a male thing. But either way, I'll, I'll stick specifically to what I know and what I've heard from other guys that very often, especially in the context of the workplace, it's very hard uh, to, to live for Christ and, and to continue to not get drawn into, you know, these conversations or using our words in ways that, that do not bring God glory in Ephesians chapter five. So right after we were encouraged that, you know, we are to to not um, let unwholesome things proceed from our mouths, but only the things that are good and build up, right? He, he turns the chapter 
in Ephesians chapter 5, and he starts out, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice of God, which is a fragrant aroma. And then he says in verse 3, But immorality or impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper for the saints. And verse 4, And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse uh, jesting, which are not fitting, but rather give thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an adulterer has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ in God. This is a a serious command, which, you know, covers both the behavior of sexual immorality and also the inappropriate sexual conversation, you know, just getting drawn into sexual talk or coarse joking, you know, things that don't edify, they don't build up, they don't encourage. There's not even really a purpose for it, right? This is not a conversation that might happen between, you know, two brothers or two sisters in relationship of, you know, seeking to uh, to be pure and, and recognizing, right, confessing struggle with sin or or any other healthy aspect. This is just simply getting down into sinful conversation just for the the fleshly pleasure of it, of talking about these things that, that we, you know, our flesh wants to be drawn into that don't build up, they don't edify, and they, they don't glorify God. And so you notice, you know, instead of doing that, he gives us this encouragement that, um, but rather we are to give thanks. Instead of having these kind of conversations, instead of focusing on these things, we are to to focus on something else. We are to focus on God, God's good, right? And and that goes back to what what we just read in Psalms chapter 19, verse 14, that we are to meditate on these things, right? We are to focus on these things that are good and bring God glory, that, that that's where our mind should be, right? That's where our heart should be. And, you know, put another way, the, the apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, he says, finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is anything of excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So you focus and to, you know, in my mind, dwelling is more than just a thought. Dwelling is literally focusing on and being saturated by and not focusing on the things of this culture, the things of this world, that that there be this complete break in that, okay, I'm not I'm not gonna allow my mind to be filled with these godless things. 
that I don't want, right? Like my flesh may want to get drawn into these things, but I don't want to get drawn into these things because I want to bring glory to the Lord in my life, in my words, in my actions, and even the things that I laugh at, right? This is all part of that renewing of the mind to, to be different from the world. In Romans chapter 12, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. This is um, the, the focus, right, of a believer. This is the goal of a believer is to focus on these things, right? While the world says, hey, let's be busy about joking about sex and sexuality and sexual things and just get into gross, obscene conversation, the, the believer says, you know what? I don't want to meditate on that. I, I don't want my mind to be saturated with that. I, I don't want to go there. I know my fleshly desire is to go there, and yet I need to not go there. I, I need to employ the the tools that God gives me in his word, the encouragements to focus my mind, to focus my thoughts, to focus my attention on the things not of this world, but that are good and pleasing and perfect uh, unto God, ultimately for God's glory. And again, like we talked about in last week's episode, that also becomes a testimony to the the world around us, right? Like, why why don't you behave that way? When the world behaves that way, why don't you behave that way, right? Why don't you join into this conversation? Why don't you join into this joking around or this explicit talk that doesn't edify. It's not for the purpose of education or building up or encouraging with God's good design or um, or any of those kinds of things. But instead, all it does is please the flesh and doesn't result in the righteousness of God at all. And And so... We're called repeatedly in Scripture to renew our mind and to live in such a way that that it brings glory to God. And there is a discipline in it, which is, you know, it is the, the very difficult part. Absolutely. Because, again, we have that flesh that still desires to, to go that, that way. And yet, as believers in Jesus, we got to be different. Uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ that as you received from us instruction on how you ought to walk and please God just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more, for you know the commandments that we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to possess his own vessel 
as sanctify as sanctification and honor not in lustful passion like the gentiles who do not know god and that each man transgresses and defrauds his brother in this matter because the lord is the avenger of all these things just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you for god has not called us to called us for the purpose of impurity but in sanctification so he who rejects this is not rejecting man but god who gives his holy spirit to you so it's a clear instruction right as a believer in jesus there has to be this discipline of okay i know i have this fleshly desire this fleshly sin nature that doesn't go away and very much wants to be drawn into these things but i i can't go there i need to um i need to live in a holy sanctified way in my body in my desires right that that i be able to handle this vessel this this human flesh in a way that brings glory to god and of course to do that right i have to focus on god's word i have to focus on god's truth that i am commanded uh, to do because i cannot do this apart from god right i i i know that because jesus tells me that i cannot do it apart from him right that i am unable to to do this ap- apart from him um john chapter 15 right jesus says i am the vine and you are the branches and if you abide in me you will bear much fruit and he says in verse 5 because apart from me you can do nothing. Same thing with God's word, right? Uh, Psalms 119 verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart, I have sought after you. You do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. You see this encouragement right if i'm seeking after god if i'm spending time in god's word if i'm meditating on god's truth then i don't have the time i don't have the energy i don't have the ability to focus on you know these sexual things these conversations that are going on around me and that brings god glory and that is good and pleasing to god And I, um, the other one that, you know, very often I think we deal with as well is this tendency of ours that, that our words are, are draw us so often, so easily into gossip, into, to tearing down with our words, into not building up, right? Not encouraging, literally violating everything we're commanded to do in Ephesians chapter four, verse 29 there that you know we are letting unwholesome words pass our lips and they aren't edifying to our brothers and sisters uh, they're tearing them down right they're they're doing actual damage i think the the way that james puts this in the the book of james verse or chapter 3 he spends a lot of time on this reality of our tongue and the destructiveness of it right he says beginning in verse 2 
For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put a bit into horses' mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at a ship also, though they are great, are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, the very word of iniquity, the tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our lives and is set on fire by hell. For every every, every species of bird, of, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by human race but no one can tame the tongue. It is a, a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who are made in his likeness. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same open opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives and vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh water. And then he goes on speaking about how we need, you know, wisdom from above. We need the wisdom of God if we are going to overcome, you know, these things that, that we cannot allow our tongue, we cannot allow our mouth, our words, to just run wild because so quickly do we turn to sin. So quickly does it go from, you know, the old adage, the the joke you often hear, oh, I have a prayer request about somebody. And then, of course, you're just gossiping about them, right? And, well, it is a, that is actually a joke. And I think largely um, uh, it doesn't represent reality. Uh, there is, though, a lot of truth to it as well, which is there is this tendency in us to, to get drawn into, maybe we started out, like I talked about in the last episode, maybe we start, start out talking about someone um, for legitimate purpose, meaning, you know, we're, we're trying to process through some frustration or get some advice, some wisdom. How should we handle this situation or this person, this particular context? How do we do you know, how do we deal with it? How do we handle it in a godly way? And very quickly, we just divulge into smack talk, you know, tearing, tearing somebody down or speaking in a way that does not glorify, doesn't edify, doesn't build up, and it doesn't even, you know, seek reconciliation or, or resolution in a way that is honoring to God. We just get drawn into that gossip where we're just talking about people for the sake of talking about them or even just literally allowing the expression of our own frustration or discontent with the person 
And again, that doesn't bring God any glory. It doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't build up our brother or sister in Christ. It doesn't uh, accomplish any of these things. All it does is, you know, bring about sin with our own tongue that doesn't bring God glory. And very often, then we have to go back to that person later and just say, you know, I am, I am really sorry. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's been bringing me deep conviction over the things I said and the attitude I had and the behavior of my heart in this particular context. And, you know, brother or sister, I'm really sorry. I That was not edifying. That was not encouraging. That did not build up and draw anybody closer to the Lord. It did not produce the righteousness of God. It didn't, it didn't do anything um, other than produce sin, sin in me. And, you know, I, I have to check myself on all of this so much. Like I said in last, um, last week's episode, as somebody who, you know, I'm very extroverted and I love to talk to people and very communicative. And it's so easy. It's so easy in those cases to get drawn away uh, from the things of God and good godly good godly speech and I'm so often like I said reminded by the Holy Spirit of Proverbs chapter 10 verse 19 which says where words are very many sin is ever present but the wise hold their tongue that there is a godliness in <laughs> not speaking a lot of times there's a godliness in not just expressing whatever thought or desire that I happen to have at a given moment. And so these are things that I think we need to be reminded of all the time. Hey, as believers in the Lord Jesus, we are to behave different. We are to live different, right? We have been redeemed and renewed with Christ. We look very different. We should act very different. We should believe very different. We should behave very different. I think one of the best ways, you know, the the apostle Paul puts this is in Romans chapter 6 where you know he he starts out asking the question about sin if if God has redeemed us then why why not just go on sinning so that the grace of God can um can continue to grow all the more and his response to that is no way no way at all, because we're different. He says um, in, in verse 1 of Romans chapter 6, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Verse 2, May it not be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we may no longer be slaves to sin, for we who, ha for 
He who has died is free from sin. And this is Paul just making very clear, right? As believers in Jesus, we're not bound by our flesh anymore. We're not bound by sin anymore. We have the righteousness of Christ. We have the full power of God on our side that we are able uh, to pursue God's good. We are able to pursue God's design. We are able to pursue God's desires and God's good for us. And we're no longer bound, right? We are no longer stuck in this cycle of sin and death and just being carried away by our flesh that, that we just behave in the, the just natural ways that our bodies want to. Instead, we reject all of that because we have Christ and we are able to use our tongue. We are able to use our words in a way that brings glory and honor to God. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Faith Unpacked podcast. We're so thankful for your time. We hope and pray that these encourage your faith and walk with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to hear past episodes, you can find them on our website at faithunpacked.com. We'd also invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcasting site. If you have any questions, feel free to hit us up on social media, or you can send us an email at faithunpacked at gmail.com. And we invite you back next time as we continue to unpack our faith together.